Welcome to the Hope Fellowship Podcast, where you can listen to our weekly walk through the Bible. We do hope you enjoy your time with us today. Please check us out at hopehogesville.com. And if you feel led to support our ministry, please click the link in this episode's description. Now here's this week's walk through the Bible. Acts chapter 16, verse 1 says this. Paul came also to Derbe and to Lustra, and the disciples there, and a disciple there, excuse me, let me start over again. I keep messing that up. Acts chapter 16, verse 1. Paul came also to Derbe and to Lustra, and a disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but his father was a Greek. And he was well spoken of by the Lord, by the brethren who were in Lustra and Iconium. Paul wanted this man to go with him, and he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in those parts. For they all knew that his father was a Greek. Now while they were passing through the cities, they were delivering the decrees which had been decided upon by the apostles and elders who were in Jerusalem for them to observe. So the churches were being strengthened in the faith and were increasing in number daily. So now that they've kind of settled the issue between Paul and Barnabas, Paul and Silas are off on their missionary journey. They started in Antioch and they're traveling north through Syria along the uh, Mediterranean coast. You can kind of visualize um, the area of Palestine uh, and Antioch is kind of on the northern end of that at the southern end of uh, Syria and they were uh, in the city of Antioch. They're now traveling north and they're headed toward the Galatian region. They're going to kind of head west into Asia Minor. So if you know your geography a little bit and you can kind of picture that in your brain, uh, they're heading uh, north along the coast of the Mediterranean Sea and then they're going to travel west into Asia Minor towards the Aegean Sea which would be kind of in the direction of Greece, all right, which would be way west, all right, but that's the direction they're going. So they're kind of traveling backwards uh, through the Galatian region. On his first missionary journey, they went the opposite way. Anyways, so they're traveling that direction, and they wound up on the southern road through Asia Minor, which was going to land at Ephesus. Ephesus was kind of the last major city on the southern road through Asia Minor. And a lot of people would travel that road. And, and Paul and Silas got on that road, and they were going city to city, encouraging the churches and stopping at the churches that they had already visited and already shared the gospel and already established and already led people to the Lord. And so the hope was to go back through those places and encourage them in their faith, strengthen them in their faith, and build up those believers. But along the way, God had different plans. Paul had a plan for going back through, encouraging those people, and preaching the gospel and leading more people to faith in Jesus Christ in the Galatian region. But God basically said no to that and had a different plan for them. So today we're going to kind of see what it looks like to be led by the Holy Spirit and how believers are led and, and what it's like when believers are told no by God. Like sometimes we have a plan and we have a desire to go a certain direction and go a certain way, but God says no. But then God uh, leads uh, by persuading these, uh, these men to go a 
different direction. And we're going to see what it looks like when God persuades us to go in a direction that we didn't expect. We also see here that God involves the believers in transporting the gospel where he wants the gospel to go. A reminder that the gospel doesn't belong to us. It belongs to the Lord. It's not our mission. It's God's mission. And then we're also going to kind of see that the Spirit leads the hearts of people to believe. That even though we preach the gospel and even though we seek to see people changed by the Lord, we can't necessarily change hearts. It's the Lord that's doing the work. But it is our task to baptize the believers and to care for the believers. And we're going to see Paul kind of working that out. So as we go through these verses, this is the beginning of that journey. It's right now, it's Paul and Silas. They go to a little city called Derby, and then they come to the city of Lustra. And when they're in Lustra, they meet a disciple there named Timothy. Timothy was the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but his father was Greek. Now, it's believed that when Paul went through this region the first time when he visited Lustra on his first missionary journey, Timothy's grandmother and Timothy's mother were led to the Lord. They came to faith in Jesus Christ after hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ from Paul the first time. And they had been growing in their faith and they had been um, teaching their son, Timothy, about Jesus Christ and about their, rela- their new relationship with the Lord. And somewhere along the lines, Timothy had come to faith in Jesus Christ. And when Paul got to Lustra, he met Timothy and he was impressed with this, uh, the faith of this young man. And uh, the Lord gave Paul a heart to disciple Timothy and to lead him along in the faith. And so as Paul was traveling on his journeys, he invited Timothy to join him. He met Timothy, he liked Timothy, felt led by the Lord to disciple Timothy. And so in that discipleship, he said, Timothy, I want you to come along with me on this missionary journey. Now, in doing that, it says here that he was well spoken of by the brethren who in Lustra and Iconium. So Timothy had a great reputation. He was growing in his faith. He was being discipled. Verse 3, it says, Paul wanted this man to go with him, and he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in those parts. Now, we've talked about that a lot, that uh, Jewish uh, tradition and Jewish law, which was a sign of being set apart for God, uh, to be set apart as God's people. But now that Christ has come and been resurrected and people are brought into the family of God by faith, circumcision is no longer necessary. It's no longer a sign for being a believer in God. Faith is the sign that we are part of God's family. Faith in Jesus Christ is what sets us apart. That is the sign that sets us apart. But Paul recognized that he was dealing with a lot of Jewish tradition. He was dealing with the Jewish people and the Jewish religious leaders, as well as Gentile converts. In this case, it was a very unique situation. This was a blended family, and it was in a, in a region that was heavily influenced by um, Greek um, traditions. And so it was kind of a mixed, a blended family. So the mother was Jewish, the father was Greek. So they probably had kind of a syncretistic approach in their worship, meaning that there was some, there was some worship and there was some fear of God in that family. But then there was also some worship of pagan gods in that family. 
But in spite of the worship of the pagan gods from the father, the son, Timothy, came to faith in Jesus Christ. And Paul brought him along. But the reason that he circumcised him was most likely not because he wanted to secure this man's salvation, because Paul and Peter, they had already had all these discussions, and they'd already been to Jerusalem to discuss whether or not you should force new believers to, become, to be circumcised. And the answer to that question was absolutely not. No one needs to be circumcised anymore. But because they were going on mission, Paul knew that Timothy was going to be speaking to Jewish people, preaching to Jewish people, and leading Jewish people. And he did not want that to be a stumbling block, to be a reason for Jewish people to not listen to or respect Timothy. So he said, let's go ahead and circumcise him because to, for Paul... It was neither here nor there. It was not an, a spiritual issue. So let's make sure it doesn't become a spiritual issue where they're going on ministry. So in case that's kind of confusing as to why you're, you know, as you're reading through that, it was to me, I'm like, why in the world did Paul make Timothy go through that? That seems really unnecessary at this point. But uh, the only thing that I can conclude from studying is that it was for the purpose of making sure that it was not a stumbling block as they preached Jesus to the Jews. He didn't want the Jews to have any reason to not respect Timothy. So that was all there was to that. And then verse 4, it says, While they were passing through the cities, they were delivering the decrees to which, which had been decided upon by the apostles and the elders. Now that was a res, uh, that's a, uh, a statement about when they went to Jerusalem to... And they gathered all the religious leaders together to ask. They had that theological discussion about circumcision and whether or not that religious tradition should be imposed on Jewish, on, on Gentile converts. The answer to that was no. And so they were going back through all these churches, encouraging all the new believers that you do not have to be subjected to a false gospel or a false law. And so they were encouraging all the believers with this. They were reminding them of, that their faith in Jesus Christ, of, that their salvation was by grace through faith in Jesus alone. That was the gospel they were strengthening the churches with. And then in verse 5, it says the churches were being strengthened in the faith and were increasing in number daily. But then in verse 6, it says they passed through the Virgin and the Galatian region, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. Now, they were already in Asia Minor. But the region of Asia, this is where it gets a little confusing. Sometimes it's hard to understand. But the region of Asia, if you look at all of Asia Minor, which is now the country of Turkey, Asia is the western third of that region of the asia minor region so basically it will be all the cities the coastal cities along the aegean sea which would have included ephesus it would have included colossae uh, so all the cities along the aegean coast as Paul's, which would have been the direction Paul was going as he's traveling along that southern road. He was going there to preach the gospel. He was headed down that road, and God said, you're going in that region, but I don't want you to preach the gospel there. Now notice something specific. He didn't say not to go there. He just said they were not permitted to speak the word in those areas. He said they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. 
Uh, and so then, of course, we kind of have to ask the question, why did God not let Paul preach the gospel? You would think that is a really good thing to do. Those churches would really benefit from hearing Paul come back in and preach the gospel yet again. But let's not forget that Paul had already been there. Paul had already preached the gospel. There were now believers in those areas, and there are also leaders and elders that are being raised up to continue the gospel ministry that are already there. It could be that the Spirit of God already knows that the work of the gospel is already very present in that area and in that region, and God wants the gospel to go now to a region that doesn't already have it. And so God is speeding Paul up, where Paul would have kind of probably gotten bogged down in a lot of those churches. He, he would have spent a lot of time ministering, maybe even stayed in Asia Minor, Asia Minor and not gone anywhere else because he so loved those people. But God says, no, I want you to go somewhere else. So the Holy Spirit sometimes prevents people from going and doing even good things. We know that the Spirit of God um, gives us self-control. The Spirit of God gives us and, and helps to us to prevent us from doing things we shouldn't do, like sinful things. But sometimes the Spirit of God also prevents us from going and doing good things, ministry things, gospel things, things that we think would be a great idea. And we're not really sure why that is. Sometimes we struggle with the will of God because it seems like God is keeping us from doing something that we think would be good that we want to do, and, but God is saying no. So we have to come to a place in our life as believers where we can trust God when he says no. But then let's see what happens next. As they're going along, the Holy Spirit's already said you can't go to, you can't speak the word in Asia. So naturally, as he's traveling west in Asia Minor, his next thought is, well, then the only other choice for me is to go north. Well, what is north? That's the area of Bithynia. So what does it say next in Acts chapter 16, verse 7? It says, and after they came to Mysia, they were trying to go into Bithynia. And the Spirit of the Lord the Spirit of Jesus did not permit them. So he is going west, but God says you can't preach the gospel there. So he tried to go north. God says you can't go north. And then in verse 8, passing by Mysia, they came down to Troas. Troas is right on the coast of the Aegean Sea. So he's gone as far as he can possibly go. So he's like, okay, God, what do you want me to do? I can't preach the gospel here. You won't let me go north to Bithynia. I can't preach the gospel up there. So why do you have me here? So he's right there in Troas, and as he's there, a vision appeared to Paul in the night. And here's where we begin to see that the Spirit leads believers by persuading them then to go where God wants them to go. We see in verse 9, a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing and appealing to him and saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. When he had seen the vision immediately... We sought to go into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. So here we see now God giving them clarity, God giving them a vision, God giving, helping them to see exactly where he wants them to go. Now, in this instance, we see that God, uh, God has sent out Paul and Silas, and he has added 
Timothy now to the missions team. But also in Troas, it seems as though God added another disciple to go with them on their missionary journey. Because if you'll notice, if you're paying attention, when you're reading this, you might miss it. But Luke is the writer of the book of Acts. He's always calling these people by name and saying who's going where. But in this instance, right here in verse 10, we see that he changes the way he talks. And he says, when he had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. So putting out to sea from Troas, we ran a straight course. So it seems as though Luke has now joined them on the journey because uh, for a while now, we're going to see Luke saying us and we as they're traveling on this journey. So now it seems as though it's Paul, Silas, Timothy, and Luke on this missions trip. And they're headed out preaching the gospel, but the Lord uses this vision of a Macedonian man. Now, Macedonia is across the Aegean Sea. That is in Greece. That's in Europe. So right now they're in Asia Minor. God says, you're not, listen, I don't want you to preach the gospel in Asia Minor. You've already done that. I don't want you to go north of Bithynia. That's going to happen at a different time. I want you to go to Macedonia, but how does God lead him to see that that's what God wants him to do? God gave Paul a vision, and in that vision, he saw a man standing on the shore saying, come help us. Come over to Macedonia and help us, and Paul responded by concluding that that must mean that God wants us to preach the gospel to those people. And I think, you know, it'd be good for us as believers to realize that it really genuinely is the cry of the heart of every lost person in this world that God would come help them. And a lot of people don't know that's the cry of their heart, but that truly is what they need. They need the Lord's help. They need the gospel. And we are the ones that carry the gospel. We are the hands and the feet that God uses to deliver the gospel to those who are in desperate need of help. They need to be rescued from the slavery of their sins. And we know the gospel is the freedom from that bondage. And the Lord has, has planted that gospel in the heart of every single believer. And everywhere the Lord sends us, he's bringing it to those people who are in need. And that is the cry of the heart of every lost person. Come help me. Come help me. And I think it'd be really good. It, it, it's a conviction to me. It is a challenge to me when I look at people that I know that don't know Jesus, that don't believe in Jesus, that don't have a relationship with God, that don't have knowledge of the true gospel of Jesus Christ. It is, my, it is a challenge to me to see that person and that individual as though they are crying out for help. And as, they're, as though they're desperate need. Now, some people don't act like they're in need and they don't act like they want help. And some people don't want me to tell them about Jesus and they don't want me to tell them that they're living in sin and they don't want me to tell them that they're in need of eternal salvation. But as best I can, I'm going to do my best to teach them and tell them anyways. But what we're going to notice in this is that as they went, they find people that were hungry and desperate to be told. 
And it seems as though that there were people in Macedonia that were God-fearers, that were worshipers of God, but they were ready to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. But it is something for us to be looking for in our lives, a recognition that sometimes God is preventing us from doing things we want to do, but that's because God is, per, is prompting us and persuading us to do something else that he wants us to do for his reasons and for his purpose. And that's a reminder to us that our lives are not our own. We are not our own uh, people. We belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. He has purchased us with his blood, and we, are, we exist for the worship and for the glory of God. We live in Hogansville, Georgia, or LaGrange, Georgia, for the glory of God. The question is, what is God doing with us? And if we're not really sure about that, we can at least know that whoever we're around, we are responsible for preaching the gospel too. And the believers that we are around were responsible for caring for. So let's keep reading. We see that the Spirit leads believers by preventing them from going and doing. We also see that the Spirit leads believers by persuading them to go and do. And along their way, as they, they got on the boat, they left Troas, and it says that it took them two days to get to Macedonia. And when they get on their boat, it, they had the winds with them because later in the book of Acts, when they sail back, it takes them five days to sail back the opposite direction because it's, I guess the wind constantly blows that direction. But anyways, they stop in this, on an island called Samothrace. So let's start reading in... Verse 10, and we'll kind of see what happens next. When he had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. So putting out to sea from Troas, we ran a straight course to Samothrace, and on the day following to Neapolis. Now, Samothrace, I don't really know if there's any spiritual significance to this, but it's just kind of a neat geographical fact. Uh, there's an island right there in the Aegean Sea in Samothrace, is basically one giant mountain. It's about 5,000 feet tall. In fact, you, if you, if you uh, um, go to Google Maps and zoom in on it, you'll see a mountain that's labeled and named right there. But that was a stopping point on their journey as they were sailing across to Macedonia. And then they get to the um, coastal city of Neapolis, and from there, they went to Philippi. And this is where we begin to see that the Spirit involves believers in transporting his gospel where he wants. It seems as though the heart of God wants the gospel to go to Philippi and to start there and the church to start there and the gospel to spread from that point outward to the um, European regions. And so they, the Lord's leading them, leading them, leading them specifically to Philippi. And then they get to Philippi, which is a leading city of the district of Macedonia. It's a Roman colony, which means it was very prominent in the Roman civilization. And it says, we were staying in the city for some days. And on the Sabbath day, we went outside to the gate to a riverside. So all of that journey from the time they let, left Antioch, the Lord's intent was for them to make it to the riverside in Europe to preach the gospel to a woman named Lydia um, in the city of Philippi. That's where Paul was leading, or God was leading Paul to start his 
gospel work. So it was a very long journey, but the Lord's intent was to connect the dots between people, one who had the gospel of Jesus and one who desperately needed the gospel of Jesus. The Lord saw the cry of her heart and the Lord saw the abundance and the riches of salvation that was hidden in the heart of Paul and Silas and Timothy and Luke. And he got those men together and connected the dots so that Lydia could come to faith in Jesus Christ. Now, in Philippi, it would seem as though there were not very many believers. Uh, there, weren't, there were only a few Jews. And those Jews didn't really know anything about Jesus. In fact, it would seem as though there weren't even enough Jewish men to have a synagogue in Philippi because uh, tradition was that you had to have at least 10 Jewish men to have a synagogue. And synagogues weren't, again, they weren't necessarily churches. They were just places for Jewish uh, believer or Jewish people to gather together on a regular basis and discuss the law of God. And they would talk about their fear of the Lord and talk about how they should conduct and live their lives as Jewish families. And uh, in this city, it seemed as though there was no synagogue. And Paul's tradition as a missionary was to stop by the synagogues preaching the gospel. He would start by telling the Jews, this Messiah you're looking for is Jesus of Nazareth. He died and rose from the dead for your salvation. But he gets to Philippi. He can't find a synagogue. And so he hears that there's a place of prayer down by the river. And so he goes down by the river to looking for this place of prayer, and he finds a whole bunch of women, Jewish women. Maybe they were praying. Maybe they were working on things from their home. We don't really know. It seems like it was a place of prayer, and it was mostly a group of women, if not entirely a group of women, that were gathered there by the river praying to the Lord. And a woman was there who was not actually from Philippi. She was from Thyatira, who was actually from... Uh, the Galatian region, Thyatira, was in one of the, is one of those cities where God told Paul not to preach the gospel. He went right through it. And then this woman who was from there was visiting Philippi. Now, she was kind of a wealthy woman. Uh, she was a seller of purple fabrics, and it's believed that the dye that they used for the purple fabrics came from a seashell in the Aegean Sea. They would find those seashells, and they would find a way to extract the color out of those seashells, and then they would use it to dye the fabrics. It was incredibly expensive. Uh, she was considered to be a very wealthy and prominent woman because of the business that she was in. She was traveling to Philippi, apparently, to sell her fabrics. And uh, she was a worshiper of God, a God-fearer, a Jew, but she came to know Jesus. So the Spirit of God led the believers to transport the gospel exactly where he wanted it to be. I think this is a picture that the gospel goes where God wants the gospel to go. It's a reminder that the gospel, um, that the mission of the gospel going to the ends of the earth, that is God's mission. It's not our mission. We sometimes think we can take the gospel of Jesus where we want to take it. We can send the gospel of Jesus where we want to send it. And the fact is, the gospel goes where God wants the gospel to go. Sometimes we have a desire to take the gospel somewhere, and God says no. Sometimes God has a desire for us to bring it someplace that we don't expect. We need to remember that we serve the Lord, 
and the, the gospel mission we are stewards of. It's his mission. And our mission is to accomplish God's mission. We are to be faithful to that. So we're being used by God to accomplish his mission, but it will go according to God's plan, not our plan. So our responsibility is simply to be faithful, to preach, to go where he leads, and to be faithful to the Lord's mission. Last thing that I want to see here is that the Lord's, that the Spirit of God leads our hearts to understand and respond to him. And it's the Lord that leads us to baptize and disciple the believers that he changes. So let's see what happens in verse 14. It says, A woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple fabrics, a worshiper, a worshiper of God was listening, and the Lord opened her heart to respond. Now that word opened means to interpret or explain, meaning that as Paul was preaching the gospel, it was the Lord who interpreted the gospel to Lydia's heart. That means that we don't have the capacity in and of ourselves to just simply understand what we're hearing and what we're reading from the word of God. We don't have the, we are spiritually blind. It implies that the spirit of God had to open the eyes of her heart and give her a spiritual sight, the ability to understand the ability to see. He translated what was in otherwise being spoken to her in a language that she couldn't understand. Even though Paul was probably speaking her, um, her physical heart language, she was not understanding the spiritual language of the word of God, the meaning of the gospel, the heart of salvation that comes through the gospel of Jesus Christ. But this is, this is how God works. He uses the word of God, the inspired and errant word of God, the gospel of Jesus Christ. He uses the word of God and then the spirit of God opens the heart. He translates that to our hearts. He explains it to us and opens the eyes of our hearts so that we can receive it. So he says that the Lord opened her heart to respond. And that word respond means to receive. It means to pay attention to or to devote oneself to. That means that God gave her the ability to see the truth of the good, the good news and then to, to give herself to the good news, to accept it, to receive it, to believe it. So that's what it means to believe. The Lord says, whoever believes on the Lord Jesus Christ will be saved. But scripture indicates to us that those who believe have had the Holy Spirit of God come into their heart and give them sight, open their eyes to the truth. And that's what we, I believe that's what we as believers should be praying for. We need to be praying that God will open the eyes of the hearts of all the people that we know and see and encounter. As we preach the gospel, we recognize that we can't change hearts. We can't just speak more clearly. We can't just persuade people with good logic and good reason. Although I think there's a good place for logic, God created logic. I think there's a place for apologetics. We need to give a good defense for the gospel of Jesus Christ. We need to explain why certain things are false. And we need to explain why certain things are true. There's a place for that. But even in all of that, we can't necessarily make anyone believe. Now, it is possible for us to emotionally manipulate people. I think some people are really good at that. 
you're probably not going to find that from me too much. I'm not a good enough uh, speaker to be able to emotionally lead people into a decision. All right. But I think there are a lot of people that are very good at that. We can use a lot of tools can be used for that music, um, good stories. Um, and all, those things aren't necessarily bad. God gave us those things as well. But we need to be very careful to recognize that emotionally leading somebody to confess something that they don't really know in their heart and don't really believe in their heart is accomplishing nothing. In fact, it might be counterproductive because we're creating in them a belief that they're saved when they're actually not and then they're no longer going to seek the truth. So, um, but what we need here is the Spirit of God to create real heart change real belief in an individual's life. And that's what we see here. Lydia's heart was opened. She responded to the things spoken by Paul. And it says in verse 15, when she and her household had been baptized, she urged us saying, if you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, meaning if you genuinely think that I am a believer, then, then come into my house and stay. And it says she prevailed upon us, meaning that she, um, she insisted she insisted that they come stay in her house. She, she welcomed them with open arms and gave them hospitality. So this is a picture of what it looks like for the Spirit to lead hearts to understand. But then immediately, the disciples and the apostles, Paul, Silas, Timothy, and Luke, led her and now her whole household to faith in Jesus Christ. And then they baptized them immediately. And right there is the beginning of the Philippian church. When you read the letter to the Philippians and you read about all the good things that God says to the Philippian people, that they were recognized and they were renowned, they were known throughout the land for their faith and for their generosity and for their love. That was born in Lydia. The church started with a woman and her family that came to know Jesus Christ. I think that is a unique picture of how God leads people to salvation. Some things that we really need to pray for as we look at this is just a, a reminder that he prevents us from going and do some, doing some things. God motivates us to go and do other things. It's God who involves us in spreading the gospel. He wants to use us in that process. And it's God who tasks us for caring for the changed hearts. So as we pray for this, pray that God will help us to trust his leadership. He is our leader. We belong to him. He leads us. Pray to God that we will trust him when he says no. Pray that we will trust him when he changes our plans. Pray that we'll be faithful to share the gospel. Pray that we will care for people who've been changed by God. I think these are pictures that we see exemplified here that uh, should be, I think, can be reflected and how we live as a fellowship of believers here at Hope and as individuals. I invite you to pray through those things. And if you're at all wrestling with your relationship with God, this is about the good news of Jesus. God has called us and given us the hope of salvation. If you're not sure you're right with God, if you're not sure that you're walking with God, if that you're not sure God's forgiven you, he has promised us that his death and resurrection on the cross has bought us salvation and forgiveness if you will trust in him by faith. Cry out to the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord says you will.
be saved. Let's pray together. Thank you for listening to this week's Walk Through the Bible with Hope Fellowship. I leave you with these words from Numbers 6, 24-26. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face to shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up His countenance on you and give you peace.